Hello and welcome to I Can't Believe It's Not The Mouse, the podcast all about animated movies not made by the mouse. I'm your host, Octaviano Macias, and today I'm talking about the animated classic, The Iron Giant. I don't think I need to introduce this movie that much. Yes, it was a flop in its day, but it's become so popular that Warner Bros. used it to advertise stuff like Multiverses, Space Jam 2, and even Ready Player One. So, I don't think this is a little unknown property any- anymore. Oh, sure, it still has a long way to go before it becomes like a Disney-level classic. But, realistically speaking, it, it is a well-beloved movie by many. It is a movie that many think about when they think about good animated movies, so I just don't see much reason to even bother um, thinking of it as just a cult film anymore like it it was once upon a time a cult classic but i i think it's already moved past that those of you who are younger who know the movie might not know that it was a flop and that's mainly because like i said it's become this beloved movie but yeah going back i do remember that the initial like trailers and stuff that i saw for it i wasn't really all that interested granted i was like five or six when they started you know doing trailers for this movie so it's not like i had the best taste at the time but i do remember just thinking like okay that looks dumb and then once i saw the movie i was like okay well i was dumb for not wanting to see it but you know whatever again i was like five six whatever yeah this is just one of those movies that's really special i don't know what exactly started uh the shift in its popularity but I would imagine that a big part of it had to be with Cartoon Network. Uh, for those of you who grew up in, with um, Cartoon Network during the early 2000s, you probably remember that um, Cartoon Network for a while would do like uh, these little marathons where they show the movie for 24 hours. I don't know if it was like an annual thing or if it was uh, basically for like random holidays. I can't really remember, but I do remember they did it multiple times. And that's pretty much how I watched the movie. But yeah, it was just one of those movies where I'm like, oh, okay, this is a really good movie. And you could tell that it definitely left its mark because, uh, you know, for a movie that had been a flop, like when, when it released, like in the late 90s, it was quick to get, um, references and homages and stuff like that from other shows. Like I remember, uh, an episode of Futurama kind of referenced it. Like, they did a parody where Bender was the giant. Um, there was a Duck Dodgers episode, actually two, where they referenced uh, the ending. You know, spoilers, but this is a very beloved movie from, you know, two decades ago. So, you know, whatever. Where you have, like, the... Well, in Duck Dodgers, it was another robot that um Duck Dodgers has sacrificing itself uh to save them. Uh similar to like how the giant saves the people from, from the nukes. And it was kinda of funny because you have the robot thinking that he's close friends with Duck Dodgers, but of course Duck Dodgers, you know, since it's Daffy, is just like who are you? So that that was plenty fun. But yeah, it's definitely a movie that's left its mark. It's definitely a movie that has 
become special. I mean, even the director of this movie, Brad Bird, while the movie might not have done so well, ended up having a really good career. I mean, you know, he's done The Incredibles, Incredibles 2, Ratatouille, wasn't too big on Tomorrow uh, Tomorrowland, but, you know, he did that too. And he also did one of the Mission Impossible movies and is right now doing another animated feature. So, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, his career has gone pretty good, you know, despite the fact that it was a flop. You'd think that, oh, he might have disappeared, but no, he's still going out there. And, it, you know, I applaud him for it. I mean, you know, regardless of how you feel about all of his movies, like I said, I wasn't too big on Tomorrowland. Incredibles 2, I thought, was kind of weak compared to the first one. But, you know, just an outstanding first uh, feature. And has done some great movies after that. So, But I guess we should probably talk about what the movie is about. Just for those of you who need a refresher or if you've never seen the movie. So The Iron Giant is essentially another one of those boy and his dog kind of movies. Of course, in this case, the dog is a giant robot uh, from outer space. And I like the, the fact that, that the movie never fully establishes where he's from. You know, we get hints of it like, okay, he might have been from a planet where it was designed to be uh, a weapon. But, of course, with it landing on Earth, it ends up um, doing good just because it, it um, gets amnesia, so to speak, and learns to be good. But, again, we never dwell on it too much we pretty much assume that okay so wherever it came from that doesn't matter it's not even the important part of the story it's not the thing that really drives the story it's just uh, it's just the backstory that's all it really is you have the main character Hogarth you have the main character Hogarth Hughes Hogarth Hogarth Hughes weird name uh, who basically is just like the weird kid. He doesn't have friends. His mom is always at work, doesn't have a father. And even at the start of the movie, they set up that like, okay, he's always trying to get new pets. He stumbles upon the giant and, of course, is quick to take him in. But, of course, with it being a giant, eventually the government gets mixed up with it. Uh, you have the villain of the movie, who's pretty much this guy named Agent Mansley, who isn't exactly threatening because for the most part he's just like even within the army he's kind of hated like the general that he talks to is like look i, I don't want to deal with your crap he pretty much is desperate to prove that this thing exists just because of course it's his ticket to being acknowledged you know sort of fame but really it's just like it's just a power thing so of course he's quick to basically like okay let's try to figure out where this thing is and just try to destroy it at all costs. Uh, Hogarth befriends this, uh, this artist who is a junkyard, um, who runs a, a junkyard and uses a lot of that junk to basically create art. And he, you know, the guy also befriends the giants and even lets him stay in the place. So it's just a matter of like, okay, seeing the bond between boy and robot grow as this agent is coming down on them and we see life lessons being learned like it, it is a very mellow movie despite all the stuff that sounds fantastical about it which not that's not to say that it isn't fantastic but it is a very down-to-earth movie like it, you know 
a lot of it is just, okay, here's the boy doing stuff with the robot and teaching him, you know, right from wrong, why killing is bad and whatnot, which is the central message of it. You know, you choose who who you want to be and just because you were made to be a uh, destroyer doesn't mean that you have to be, you don't have to be a gun. Um, which apparently ties into why Brad Bird wanted to make it. Like, I don't know how true this is, but apparently, uh, this was done out of, I believe the death of his sister. I don't, I don't know how true that is or the death of a relative. I'm again, I'm not too sure. I, I, I don't want to just throw around random details, um, while saying they're true, but I've read it somewhere. That apparently is like, okay, you know, someone was lost to, uh, to a gun. So the whole story was based upon like, okay, what if that gun had feelings and could do, do, um, choose who would want it to be again. Don't know how true that is, but you know, it makes for a good story. If there is some truth to it on terms of why this movie was made, if it's not, I do apologize for anything that might might have been offensive about that but yeah that's generally how the movie plays out you know eventually the the agent does get the military to come down to this town and try to fight off the giant which most people are quick to realize like wait a second this thing's not a bad guy it just helps some kids out it, it you know it's not doing anything dangerous unless it's provoked uh even right down to the general is told that yeah this is not a bad guy he's quick to basically try to listen about it you know listen to it and try to understand what's going on whereas this agent guy is so scared uh from the destruction that he quickly convinces the the coast guard to nuke the place which leads to that big emotional moment side note this is kind of a superman movie for those of you who've never seen it or if you've seen it and just you know, forgot about this, but yeah, the, the giant, you know, basically says like, oh, I want to be Superman. Uh, not in those exact words, but essentially that's what it is because they do have like a whole scene building up like, okay, so, you know, Hogarth reads comics and the giant is fond of Superman. Great stuff. Eventually, you know, that whole thing paid off within Warner Bros. marketing stuff when they had the Iron Giant pair up with Superman, so that was cool. And yeah, you know, in, in many ways, that would make this the best Superman movie outside of the original Superman movie. And yeah, you know, this is something that has definitely left a legacy of just being an amazing feature. It's a touching movie. You know, it, it brings out the tears in a lot of people. It never fails to make me cry. And... It's just impressive thinking, like, wow, you had this one really special movie, and it didn't do so well. And even, like, the the execs at the time for Warner Bros. kind of joked about it, where it's like, if you're wondering why we don't do better animated movies, smarter ones, and whatnot, look at the reaction this thing got. We put it out, people said it was great, no one saw it. And, you know... You can't fault them for, for thinking that. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if the marketing on this was bad specifically or 
it was just a matter of people just being tired of animation at the time. I don't think so because, of course, Disney was still successful and we were barely at that turning point where um, something like Shrek was going to basically upend the whole system. Like, you know, while there was hit animated movies before that, there wasn't uh, many that you could say could rival Disney in terms of success. So we were just around that period where we were going to start seeing a change in the animation industry in terms of, hey, even non-Disney stuff has, you know, will be big successes. Ice Age, Shrek, you name it. But of course it wasn't there yet. And sadly, the Iron Giant failed. Regardless of it having a big cast, because, you know, you had Jennifer Aniston in it. You have Vin Diesel as the giant himself. So it's not like it was like a lack of big names. It's not like it was a lack of quality because the animation in this is really spectacular. Funny enough, the animation in this, if you thought it was a little similar to A Crazy Night, it's because, yeah, technically speaking, one of the animation studios that did this also did that. So, you know. Regardless of quality of movie, the quality of animation is definitely there. And just looking at it all, it, it just really highlights how how much this movie was just overlooked. It's like, you know, you got a great voice cast that were big names or are big names. You got your spectacular animation, great storytelling. This is a movie that definitely works whether you're a kid or an adult, and not just because it's, you know, it's a good story, which it is, but because it's one of those animated movies where it doesn't hide the fact that it's, you know, it's telling a story, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, with a lot of movies, they always try to, like, uh, try to tone down certain things. Like, in some animated movies where they'll have characters say or do things that is clearly the censored versions of what they do. Like, not necessarily like, oh, um, they just dropped the, the F-bomb or something like that, but they're, they're not talking the way a normal person does. They're talking in a way where they're aware their audience is kids. This movie doesn't shy away from, you know, talking to us like adults. Like, the characters do swear every now and then. They, you know, they say damn, they say how. The characters don't try to create the child-friendly version of the terms that they're talking about. They do acknowledge, like, look, this is a movie set during the, the 50s. Uh, we do acknowledge the, the existence of nukes. Um, there's even a joke at some point where, you know, they got, like, the whole, like, oh, duck and cover if uh, an atomic bomb is dropped. And one of the other characters, you know, towards the end of the movie, acknowledges, like, look, that's just something we tell kids. It does not work. It is, you know, you're dead if you, if this thing drops. It doesn't matter if you're, if you duck and cover. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those movies that feels a lot more mature just because it's realistically just characters talking the way people would instead of talking the way we would try to hide ourselves from kids. Um, and I get it why they do that in some animated movies. I'm not exactly against it, but I always appreciate it when movies decide, like, look, there's going to be adults watching this. We might as well just not sugarcoat it. Let's just play it straight. Let's have the characters talk the way they would. Don't give them, like, some childish version 
of a swear to say, especially when they're talking to other adults. Like, that's kind of silly and kind of useless. And yeah, I applaud this movie for doing that. And Brad Bird is normally really good at that. Like, if you look at The Incredibles or Ratatouille, you can notice that he doesn't shy away from having characters do adult things. Like, you know, in The Incredibles, they do acknowledge that a character was going to commit suicide or in Ratatouille, there's a whole bit where um, you see um, the, the chef Linguini um, getting drunk and it's like, we're not going to pretend that they're not, you know, we're just not going to do anything that would push us too overboard, but we're playing it at a level where it's safe, but direct. And I, I just love that about Bird's films. And that's on full display with the Iron Giant. It's, and I know I'm repeating myself here and saying that, yes, this movie is good. But yeah, it just really is. It's definitely one of the movies like, look, I got this movie. Like, I know you can't really see it from all the way back there. You could probably see it in the little corner where I'm pointing at right there. I'm not sure how well you can see it. Uh, it's kind of underneath, like, the like the beaker and, you know, those plushies right there. I do have the signature edition um, Iron Giant uh, Blu-ray, and that's because I love the movie so much. Um, that one adds a new scene. It's a scene that kind of explains a little bit about where the Iron Giant came from. Like, he has a dream one night, and he sees, like, a whole planet of himself and whatnot and it, it's a whole nightmare sequence really well done animated sequence and i know that that was always intended to be there but i gotta be honest it's one of those scenes where i'm like don't really need it it doesn't really hurt the movie because it's not like it's a very long movie to begin with but it is one of those things where it's like yeah i understand why this was left off and as a cool little feature for it being released um as a you know a special re-release i get it but, yeah, it's not one that I would keep in if I were to, you know, rewatch it or just show it to other people. It's more of an experiment, really, than, than it is an actual necessity. Of course, the only thing to wonder is just where we go from here. Because, like I said, this is a movie that didn't do so well, became a cult classic, and it's now a classic. But now that you're seeing a bunch of stuff using him to advertise um, Warner Bros. stuff, it just makes you wonder, like... Does Warner Bros. ever consider remaking this in live action like the way Disney has? Not that I really want it, but I would imagine that that's not exactly off the table. Or really ever just think about, hey, let's make another one of these. I mean, I know that Brad Bird has joked like, okay, the movie wasn't even a financial hit, so why wouldn't we make another one? But at the same time, you know, Disney didn't have a lot of financial hits when they started and a lot of those have become big massive movies now and you know have gotten remade so it's only a matter of time at least i hope not but i'm mean, uh, not holding that out as a possibility which if they ever do remake it i just hope they at least acknowledge the stuff that made this special and try to build on that like i'm not necessarily against remakes because realistically a lot of stuff has been remade and this is a story that's as it is based on a book so it's not like you can't take another version of this and expect it to do well i'm just acknowledging that 
there is a very real possibility that it might happen. And if it does, I'm not going to be happy about it, but I am going to acknowledge like, well, what did you expect was going to happen? This movie has become uh, a beloved title for so many. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That Ready Player One um, trailer that um, that they first had sold me entirely on, oh, look, here's Jaren Giant. And I was just like, look, whatever this movie turns out to be, it's fine. Um, I'm going to watch it anyways just because it's got the Iron Giant. So it's not exactly, I'm not exactly innocent here. What I ultimately am is just grateful for the movie that they've made. It is just a very special, fun time. It deserves all the attention in the world, everything that it's gotten. You know, it's well learned. Obviously, I think it should have been a bigger hit when it came out, but the fact that it's managed to grow an audience despite that is impressive, and it is, again, well-deserved. So it's not like I have any regrets over this movie. Like, I I am glad that this movie exists. I am glad that audiences have come around to it. I am glad that it's just this special movie that generations are going to grow up on. If nothing else... It is definitely a movie that has a well-beloved character. I mean, even if people don't watch this movie, the fact that the Iron Giant is advertised on stuff means that there's always going to be someone who's aware of the character. So it's definitely something. Maybe some people don't like that, especially considering that in a lot of those appearances, the Iron Giant is fighting. But you have to remember that when it comes to this, it's like, you know, it's like whenever people use Frankenstein and stuff and they make him into a dumb monster instead of essentially kind but naive creature that we normally see. I mean, well, not normally, but we, well, I guess, yeah, you could say normally see when it comes to like actual adaptations of it versus just using him for cameos or stuff like that. I don't know. It's, it's a very special movie and it's one that regardless of how they change him, I, I just love and yeah. At this point, I'm pretty much just rambling, so I don't know. I feel like I should probably end it there. I don't know. It it is definitely special, and I I don't want to make people feel bad that it may get remade. I just want to, I guess, acknowledge that the fact that that is a possibility shows how good this is. Like, that's one way of putting it positively, regardless of studios thinking of like oh let's do something bad with this movie that's a classic you have to acknowledge the fact that it could even get to that point um and again i i am generally hoping that if they ever do they do do it well just because you know i don't want to root for you know negativity and i do want to think that hey there's always a chance for a good thing to happen because good things do happen every now and then but at the very least, even if the worst comes to pass, it's always important to acknowledge that, look, regardless of that, the fact that they were willing to do that shows that, at least at its core, the thing that is being adapted is just a special story. And no amount of bad adaptations, remakes, or whatever you can think of is going to change the fact that this one movie is beautiful, 
and worth your time. So even if they ruin that, it doesn't change that this itself is perfect. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you again next time. You are who you choose to be. Thank you for coming on today. If you enjoyed this, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel where you'll see video versions of these podcasts. And if you just want to listen to them, there's always the option of just following the podcast on their various sites, whether it's Spotify, Podbean, or Apple Podcasts. Whatever you choose, I hope you continue enjoying these. And if you want to support me even further than that, there's always the option of Patreon. With Patreon, even just a dollar will get your name on the video versions of this and on other videos that I may do outside of these podcasts. A few dollars more gets you some behind the scenes info and as this continues to grow, you'll find that there's more perks to it. So I hope you consider supporting me through Patreon as well. And in any case, again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.